about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Take your Bibles tonight. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for the revelation that you've given me so far in healing, living in divine health, healing other people. And I thank you for the anointing that each and every one of us have and the ability that you've placed on the inside of us. Father, open up the eyes of our understanding that we may see your will in every single thing that we need to see it. We thank you, Father, that we are a people who are going to walk in divine health no matter what. I said no matter what comes our way. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now, when the Lord, when I first got born again, the first thing the Lord had me study was the devil. The second thing was healing. As I studied healing, I found out that the first part of learning about healing was mostly uprooting things that I had been taught that were not really in the Word of God to begin with. If you grew up in a church that doesn't know that much about Scripture or been led by Scriptures that were passed down for generations, you're going to find out that there's some things that you learn that just aren't true according to the Word of God. In order to live in divine health, it's more than just confessing, by His stripes I'm healed. You need to have a spiritual understanding of why you can walk in divine health, why that right belongs to you in order for you to enforce it in your own life. You know, the Bible talks about the seed of the Word of God going into ground, you know, from up north, uh, when we were farming up there, we always had to remove the rocks and the stuff out of the ground before we planted anything. So the first part tonight, we are going to remove some of the rocks in your ground so that you can believe as the Word of God tells you it's supposed to be believed. So Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 15. It says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou may eatest freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely what? So here we see man was put in the garden of Eden, and he was told by God, Do not eat off that tree, because if you eat off that tree you will surely do what? Die. So notice what God did not say. God did not say, The day you eat it I will kill you. He did not say, The day that you disobey me I will punish you. He simply told Adam, you make the wrong choice and you will die. How many know that Adam made the wrong choice? He ate basically and what came into him was something called spiritual death, say spiritual death. Now we know he died physically after this, but in that day that he died, he died spiritually. Notice here God did not get mad at Adam because of what he did and kill him. God did not get mad and judge him by putting spiritual death on the inside of him. Adam chose to make the wrong decision and because of that he died. Now, because of wrong teaching and wrong other things, people live sick their whole life and don't think anything about it, even though they've been born into the kingdom of God. I was taught that God is a beat you up God. I was taught that God is a teach you a good lesson when you were sick, that God was a strike you with sickness and a curse because you stumble and because you sin. And you even hear this in churches. You hear it in malls. You hear it. Little, little Johnny, you do that again. Jesus is going to get you for that. Jesus is going to smite you with this and smite you for that. Why? Is Because that's what religion has taught us in our lives, that God is out to get us all the time. But my Bible says that God is a good God, and he is a good God how often? All the time. God is a God of love, and the Bible says every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. How I many know sickness and disease is not a good gift? So Adam ate, spiritual death came into him. Say, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a physical body. 
So when he ate, spiritual death came on the inside of him. What did that do? Number one, it separated him from God. Number two, he was actually born again from life to death. He became a new creature in Satan. Old things passed away. Now, how many know that's just the opposite when you get born again of what happened to you? You went from death to life. He went from life unto death. So the old things passed away. God created Adam and man with faith and love, dominion and power and glory in the nature of God. But all things when Adam sinned became new. Fear entered into him, hate, sin, guilt, and the nature of the devil. Now, just like the fruit of the Spirit for you who are born again manifests in your life, the fruit of spiritual death will also manifest in people's lives who are living in spiritual death. So spiritual death, or the dying when he basically rebelled against God, opened the door to the curse, it opened the door to sickness, it opened the door to sin, disease, and lack. When did that happen? In the day that Adam ate. Hallelujah. All right, go to Genesis chapter 3. Well, that's not a phone anyway, praise God. All right, Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, I'm not going to stay there, don't worry about it, and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, in sorrow shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Now notice again, what didn't God say? God didn't say, because you disobeyed me, you ate off the tree, I curse you, I curse your wife, I curse the ground. No, because you, listen to your wife, because you ate off the tree, because of that, the ground is cursed for your sake. In other words, because of the choice that Adam made, because of a free will choice that he had, basically at that time the ground was cursed and the cursed entered into this world. God did not describe man or want desire man to be under the curse. If he would have, he'd have said, let us make man in the curse, under the curse, and with the curse. But how many know that's not what he created, created him? He created him in his image, in his likeness, and gave him dominion on the earth. God did not punish man with a curse. Adam opened the door and the curse came in. God told Adam how to stay free from the curse, to live a full life, simply do not eat off of that tree. All right, go to Romans chapter 5. You've got to clearly, say clearly, clearly, clearly understand that God and sickness have nothing in common that God's not happy with sickness, doesn't want sickness, he doesn't use it as a tool, he doesn't use it for this or that. Basically, God is good and sickness is bad. And if you put the two together and you always want to equate God with something to do with sickness because in your mindset when you come under attack, a lot of times our minds go back to that. God, why did you do this? Why did you let this happen? Why am I feeling this way when you're in control of everything? You need to wipe that stuff out and understand that God is against sickness and disease all the time. It's not a tool for him. It's not something that he uses. All right, Romans chapter 5, look at verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Now, who was that one man? It was Adam, wasn't it? By one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon how many people? Notice, all men, for how many have sinned? All men. So when did sin enter into the world? It entered in by one man. That one man was who? Adam. How did death, spiritual and physical, enter into the world? By one man who was that? Adam. How did spiritual death and all its fruits of sickness, disease, curse, enter into the world? By one God? No, by one 
man. So notice, not only did it enter into the world, but it passed upon all men. So where did sin come from? God didn't create it. Where did depression come from? Where did fear come from? Where did sickness, poverty, death into the world? It came by one man whose name was Adam, and then it passed upon all men. What is that called? In, in one big shot, it's the curse. The curse came into the earth because of disobedience. Now, I've heard people blame God for the curse. I've heard the news media blame God for curse. Everything that happens is an act of God. Tornado hits, it was an act of God. A hurricane hits, it was an act of God. Why is that? Because people do not understand that God is not in the tornado business. He's not in the earthquake business. And if they'd read the book of Acts, they'd quit calling them Acts of God because they'd understand the Bible a little bit better, praise God. All right, verse 12 again. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we find out the curse was never God's will. The curse and sickness are here. They are in this world now. Look at verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. Here it says, death now, from the curse, started ruling over mankind. In other words, sickness and death and disease and depression, when Adam sinned, took the rulership over mankind at that time. And how did it do it? By one man's offense, who was Adam. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense, Adam's, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by Christ Jesus. So once again, it says here, by his sin, by what he did, the curse entered into the world. Before Adam sinned, sin, death, sickness was outside the world. It was not available to man at that time. Adam opened the door for that to come in and to plague mankind. So it was by his rebellion or sin or disobedience that opened the door to all the things that we have right now. Now here it says, even though Adam basically and some of the other people after him didn't sin, they still came under the curse. Well, why is that? Because everything that Adam did as the first man was accredited to mankind. In other words, if Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, all men sinned. Why was that? Because all men came out of Adam. Are you following me? Every man is here. The, the original man came out of, out of Adam, didn't he? And then they had another one, and they had another one, and they had another one. So everybody inherited what was in Adam before he had another child, and what was in him basically was now the nature of the devil, cursed nature, sickness and disease, all ruled over mankind at that time. So basically, some people say, well, it's not fair. I know it don't seem fair, but that's just the way it is, praise God. That's the way it was set up. But let me just go a step further. When we become in Christ, we get everything that Christ has just because we're in him. That's better news, isn't it? Say, well, then you go, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good, praise God. Yeah, now I'm righteous, I'm healed, I'm blessed. So that's why it's set up. So as we were born again in Christ, we now received everything that Christ ever had. We get it just like we got with Adam when he sinned, praise God. That's why Jesus came and suffered and died. Hallelujah. All right, Exodus 15. That's not in this teaching. That was free, praise God. Once again, if you get born again or you're just starting to read the Word or you've been around, read the New Testament first, find out who God is, then go back to the Old Testament or you may end up very confused before it's over with. All right, back to Exodus 15. Look at verse 26 again. And God said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments 
and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that what? Healeth thee. Now notice here it says that God will not put none of the diseases upon thee, which I brought upon the Egyptians. Now once again, is God good or is God bad? He's good how often? All the time. So we know if you read the New Testament, come back here and find out that God's good all the time, that something's different in this verse because God's not putting sickness and disease on anybody. Are you following me? If you study the Bible, there are no permissive verbs in the Greek or the Hebrew. So this actually says this, I will not allow these diseases upon you, which I allowed on the Egyptians. The Knox translation says, never shall these diseases come upon you or fall on you that came upon and fell on the Egyptians. So God is saying here, I will not allow sickness and disease into your life. Now, why would God allow sickness and disease into your life even though he says he won't? Basically because he does not have a choice, just like Adam. How many know if Adam would have chose right, God told him what to do. Don't eat off the tree. Everything's going to be fine. So here, what's going on here, basically, God is showing them that spiritual sickness and disease and all that stuff is over them, but he gives them a way out. How do I do that? If you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear his commandment and keep his statutes, I will not allow any of these diseases upon you that came upon Adam and the Egyptians, praise God. So what's he talking about? He sees mankind. He sees them in sin. He sees them with the nature of the devil. They are subject to sickness, disease. So God steps in and says, let me give you an insurance policy. Let me give you an umbrella to keep you so you don't have to get sick anymore. Let me come to you so I can keep sickness and disease out of you. How do you do that? Well, if you will hearken to my voice, do what is right, keep my commandments, I will protect you from all these diseases and the curse that's in the earth. Now, I was taught when I was growing up that if I was a real good boy, if I always did right, if I never sinned, then God was going to be nice to me. But if I didn't and I messed up sometimes, God wasn't going to be so nice to me anymore because I messed up. But God's not saying do this and do that or I'll put sickness on you. God is saying sin, death, sickness, curse is in the world. It has a legal right to come upon you right now. But if you'll hear the word, you'll do the word, I will be able to override spiritual death, override sickness, disease. I will legally be able to protect you from the curse that entered into the earth. Praise God. Now, the best part about this is this is Old Testament. So in the New Testament, sickness and disease does not have authority over us anymore if you're born again. The curse does not have authority over you anymore. You've been born from death to life, and now you have authority over sickness and disease. You now reign over it, whether it was reigning over these people. Are you following me? And notice what he says. If you hear the word and do it, what is that called? What happens if you hear the word and do it? Faith. Simply faith. What is faith? Hearing God's word and doing what God's word says is faith. So he was telling them and teaching them how to walk by faith so they could live out from underneath sickness and disease at that time if they listened to his word and did what he was doing. So he's offering them a protection policy. He was giving them an insurance policy, an umbrella to keep the curse from coming upon them because it was in the earth and it came into the earth by one man whose name was Adam. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. So notice what he says at the end here. He says, there's one thing I want you to really know. I am the Lord that does what? Healeth thee. Say, I am the Lord, I am the Lord that healeth thee. 
Our religion basically is one of the, the ones basically who teach things just because they have no explanation of what's going on. They'll teach you that the Lord makes you sick to teach you something. He'll teach you that he beats you up and to keep you down, to keep you humble, to do all these things. All that stuff is not of God. God is a God of love and he is a good God. So here God says, let me set the record straight. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now how many know there's no part in God's nature that has sickness and disease? How many know God doesn't have sickness and disease? So if God was going to put sickness and disease on you, the question is, where would he get sickness and disease to put on you if he doesn't have any sickness and disease to put on you? I mean, I've got an argument with people all the time, and people said, well, praise God. He could touch you with sickness and disease. Well, everybody Jesus touched got healed. He said, well, he could breathe on you and give you sickness and disease. Well, everybody Jesus breathed on got filled with the Holy Ghost. See, people making up stories, making up rumors, trying to figure it out. Have you ever heard of the Holy Ghost flu? I haven't. Oh, I heard of the swine flu, the cow flu, the dog flu, every flu. I never heard of the Holy Ghost flu, praise God. Hallelujah. And people say, well, why does it happen then? God will allow you to do whatever you choose to do. You have a free will. Will he allow you to rob a bank and go to jail? Will he allow you not to shower and stink? Come on, he'll allow you to backslide. He'll allow in your life whatever you allow in your life. Basically, it's totally up to you. And in the Old Testament, when you read it, you're going to find out there's hardly any revelation of the devil whatsoever. It all taught, everything's acquainted to God. Everything's supernatural. If somebody was blessed, God did it. Somebody was cursed, God did it. Somebody was healed, it was God. Somebody was sick, it was God. Why? Because they did not have a revelation. Now, Jesus came and he started to separate the two. He said, you are of your father, the devil. He said, the prince of the world comes. What was he doing? He was trying to explain to the coming church that there were two supernatural forces involved, good and evil, devil and God, the Holy Ghost, praise God, and evil. So he was trying to show people at that time that there was two powers living in the earth at that time. So God was not threatening Israel with sickness. God was offering a way out from underneath the curse. God is not in the cursing business. He's in the blessing business. God is not in a sickness business. He is in the healing business. God is a good God. How often? All the time. Go to Deuteronomy 28. And this sounds like a very easy thing to know and understand until the attack comes. Then you're going to find out where you really think. Like, oh, God, come on, I, why, why don't you heal me? Why don't you heal me? You know, I've been sick now for two days. Why, why in the heck don't you heal? Why don't you do something? Why don't you heal me? Why don't you? Well, you've got to understand that he already Amen. healed you 2,000 years ago. It's already been done. You are receiving what he already provided for you. Are you following me? How many know that he already saved everybody in the world so far? Everybody in the world, salvation has been provided for every single one. So you can't go to God and say, I don't know why you won't save me. I just don't understand why you won't save me. Well, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe your husband raised from the dead, you'll be saved. Who's it up to? It's up to you. So if you never get saved and go to hell, it's not that God said, I hate you, you're going to hell. It's because people make the wrong choice. Are you following me? For something that's already been provided. So if you're thinking, God, why don't you heal me? You're already in left field someplace because he already provided healing for you. Then you don't get healed. What do you do? You get mad at God. 
Then you start telling stories about God. Well, he never healed me, and I was one of the best people in the whole world. I went to church every time, and I was just so holy and righteous, and he didn't do a thing for me. Well, you're not going to get it because you're so holy and righteous either. You're going to get it because it was provided for you freely, and by faith, you're just taking what he gave you, praise God. How many got holy and righteous before you got you born again? You just got so good, God said, ooh I got to save them. My God, they're good. No, you were a rat. Come on, you were disgusting. But he saved you before that. Come on. It's the same way with healing. It's not based on what you do or what you don't do or how many tricks you, whether you dump, people dump their medicine down the sink. I mean, my God. I can see God say, oh, good, they dumped their medicine. Now I can heal them. It doesn't have a thing to do with it. Do you see what I mean? You're not proving anything, basically. You simply receive what was freely given to you by the Lord that healeth thee, and you can choose curse and you can choose blessing. It's up to you, but you have the authority to make the right choice every single time. All right, Deuteronomy 28, look at verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if, say if, if thou will hearken diligently unto the voice or the word of God to observe and to do all his commandments, sounds familiar, don't it? Which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. So here God once again comes and says, if you listen, if you do the word of God, if you spend time in the word, I have a protection plan for you. Now notice it says, if you do these things, God will bless you. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? It don't, does it? No. If you do these things, the blessings will come upon you. Why? Because the blessing's here, the curse is here, and you choose which one going to come upon you and your family. Are you following me? So if I'll listen to the word, if I'll walk by faith, if I'll keep healing in my mouth and understand who I am, what's going to happen? Healing's going to be upon me. Blessing's going to be upon me all the time. It's going to come upon me. You can read someplace in the Bible where you can't even outrun blessing sometimes if you're not careful. It'll run you down and tackle you, praise God. You can't stay ahead of it. Why is that? Because you're doing what God told you to do, and it comes upon you. You see, it's not God saying, mm, let's see, curse that one. Bless that one. Curse that one over there. Bless that one. No, it's individually up to us which we walk in and which we basically call for. All right, look at verse 15. But it shall come to pass if thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and they shall what? overtake you. So hear it again. So God isn't saying, you're cursed. You ain't doing what I told you. You're cursed. No. If you don't follow what he tells you to do, the curse that's already here will come upon you and overtake you. So once again, the blessing is here. The curse is here. It's entirely up to you which one that you choose by whether you listen to the word of God, understand the word of God, walk by faith in healing that belongs to you. And if you hear it and do it, say, and do it. See, a lot of people hear it, but we ain't got a whole lot of doers. And you don't prosper if you don't do what you hear. In other words, if God says, whatever you bind on earth is bound on earth and bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven, and you say, God, rebuke this sickness, he, he can't do anything for you. It's whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose will be loosed. What do you got to do? You got to follow the instructions that he gave you in this book because he's trying to show you how to walk in a way of victory. I mean, he told Adam how to do it. It wasn't that hard. Just don't eat off one tree. You think he could have handled that, but he didn't. He ate off of it and threw the whole mankind into a tailspin. All right, go up to Deuteronomy 30. Look at verse 9. 
and the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous. Say plenteous. How'd you like to be plenteous in everything? And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of your land, for good, for the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. Now here it comes, if, say if. If. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And there's people out there who've been born again for years and don't even read the word. I mean, that's all he keeps saying is read the word. Listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Study the word. Get in the word. I never read the word. I don't really need it. I'm going to heaven. Yeah, well, you're going to live in hell till you get there unless you find out how to live, praise God. Verse 10, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, and thou shalt turn unto the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, for this commandment which I command you this day, it's not hidden, neither is it far off. In other words, it's not that hard to follow what God tells people to do. It's not that involved. Notice, it's not in heaven that you should go up there. Most people think they'll have complete deliverance and healing when they die and go to heaven. Well, you will but you can have it down here too. See, you can live in peace and joy here too. You don't have to wait till you die and go to heaven. So it's not in heaven. Who shall go up into heaven and bring this down for us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is beyond the sea. It's not at the next revival. It's not at the next country where they're having revival. That's not where it's at. Basically, where is it? Verse 13. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou should say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. So what do I do? If I'm going to obey God, I simply take his word and I put it in my heart. I read it. I hearken to it. I listen to it. And as it gets in there, it slowly starts to get in your mouth. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to talk sickness, disease. I'm not going to talk COVID. I'm not going to talk disease. I'm not going to spread. Well, so-so's got COVID and this one's got COVID and that one's got COVID and this one. No, no, no. They know they got it. So you don't have to reinforce it. No, you want to put healing in your mouth and keep healing in your mouth. I don't get sick. I don't get COVID. I don't get this stuff. Why? I've been born again, praise God, and I hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. I'm born again, praise God. I don't get sick. My days of sickness and disease ended when I got born again 35 years ago, praise God. I'm free from sickness. Oh, you're just lying. (laughs) No, I just know the word, and you don't know the word, and you haven't hearkened to the word to understand what God has already said, praise God. So notice what he says in verse 15. See, I have set before you this day, this is God talking, I've set before you life and good, and I set before you death and evil. How many know who that's up to? It's up to us, isn't it? Look at verse 19. As a matter of fact, God says, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now watch, he's going to give us some good advice here. Look what he says. Therefore, choose life. Now, you wouldn't think he'd have to say that. But apparently he did. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may do what? May live. Hallelujah. All right, go to Numbers 21. Many places in the Old Testament attributes the curse to God, but God is not responsible for the curse. Numbers 21, look at verse 1. And when King Arad the Canite, which dwelt in the south, 
heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their city. And the Lord heard and hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered them up to the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Hormah. Now notice here, here's the Arad, the Canaanites came, they were going to defeat Israel, they took some of them prisoners, they were going to kill them all. So what did Israel do? They went to God for help. How do you know that's a good thing to do? And what happened? God gave them favor and they destroyed the Canaanites. Now was this God's will? Yes, wasn't it? To protect the people of Egypt, or people of Israel. Look at verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Eden, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loathes of this light bread. So here they are, man. They're getting destroyed by the Canaanites. God steps in and saves them, and a couple days later, they're already grumbling. They just had one of the greatest victories ever, praise God. They were probably dancing, had the tambourines going, whoo-hoo, and two days later, all here in the desert, stupid Moses, stupid God, stupid everybody, right after a great victory. Look at verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now, here it says, the Lord sent fiery serpents that bit and killed the people. So, if you're reading this, you don't know what's going on, you're going to say, well, God got mad at them. Well, we got mad. They talked against him. He said, I want to kill you, so I'm sending you snakes, and they're going to bite you all over the place. And why did they get them? Because they called for them. They murmured and complained. Oh, we could stay here for quite a while. You don't understand. When you murmur and complain, you're calling for serpents. And when you get bit, it's your fault that you were murmuring and complaining about this or about that. So what were they doing? Murmuring and complaining and being critical. And notice who they were critical against. Not only God, but their leader. Say their leader. Their leader. Hallelujah. I like this scripture. I'm starting to like this scripture better already. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now notice, God didn't bite them. He didn't say, because you're murmuring, I'm going to bite you right in the foot. No, it's these serpents' name. And it's people said, well, God just wanted them to die. If God wanted them to die, he shouldn't have stepped in to begin with when the Canaanites were going to kill him. If that was his will, why even get involved in it? Just say, kill him and get it over with. No, God wanted the best for them in their life. But they chose the curse. They allowed serpents to come and to bite them. How? A discouraged soul murmuring and complaining will allow serpents into your life. Now, how many know God had to allow it? Why? Because they chose it again. They had no protection. Look at verse 7. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. How many know when serpents are biting you, it's a good time to repent? We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looks upon it, he shall do what? Live. So the people came. They repented. They said, Oh, my gosh, help us. God, help us again. And, and what did God do? He said, Make a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. Now, what does this represent? represents Jesus on the cross when he took your sin, when he took your sickness, when he took your curse, when he took your diseases. Here he says, whoever looks upon that will live. If you don't look upon that, what's going to happen? 
you're going to die. It's the same way in the New Testament. When you look at what God has already provided for you in Calvary on the cross, which is healing, you'll live. If you look anywhere else, you're going to die in situations. Why? Because that's your way out. Now, notice they came and they said, take the serpents from us. Did God do it? Did he take the serpents from them? No, he didn't, did he? He said, you chose your way into this. You've now got to choose your way out of this. So he says, you choose the fiery serpent. What happened? And look at it. The blessing's going to come into your life. If you don't, praise God, it's going the other. This is why when people get sick and sickness disease and we heal the sick and everything else, which is good, but you cannot just yabba-dabba-do somebody into healing because they'll go right back into their murmuring, complaining, and can't right back the second time, only worse. Because when one devil goes, how many no more come? So they need some teaching, first of all, don't they? They need to understand a few things sometimes before we lay hands on them and get them delivered to understand that it has nothing to do with God. Don't be mad at him. Don't go back into where you were before with your discouragement and all that stuff. You got to get to a place where you can walk in victory then every single day of your life. So those people that looked upon it, would live. Those that didn't look upon it, they would do what? Die. They would die. All right, verse 9 again. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, what happened? He lived. Once again, the curse was there, the blessings was there, both of them were there, and you have to make a choice which one you do. All right, go back to Exodus 15. God is good all the time, all the time. All right, Exodus 15, 26, again, we read it earlier. And God said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do what is right in his sight, will give ear to his commandments, keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon you, which I brought upon the Egyptians, because I am the Lord that was what? Heals you, say heals you. So once again, Adam opened the door to the curse. These people were under the curse because of what Adam did. They, they, they couldn't help but sin. They couldn't help depression coming in their life. They couldn't help sickness coming in their life. So God gave them a protection policy to listen to his word and follow his commandments, and that would keep sickness and disease and the curse from falling upon them. And once again, he told who he is. He is the Lord that he lift thee. Say, he is the Lord that heals it's me. That's all. He doesn't put sickness on you. He doesn't allow. He, he does basically what you allow ends up in your life because you allowed it. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 11. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 6. It says, but without faith, which is hearing and doing the word of God, it is impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So one of the things you need to do right off the bat, you need to be thoroughly convinced that God wants you well all the time. God wants you healed all the time. The Bible never says that God wants to heal you. The Bible says that God wants you to be in health your whole life. How many know if you're in health, you don't really need healing? So he wants us to live in health. What will faith do for you? It will remove all doubt of God's will in your life. You know what God's will is for your life. You know what he wants you to be. He knows you to want and walk in, in healing your whole life. Here it says, whoever comes to God must believe God is. God is what? The Lord that healeth thee. 
because that's what God says he is. So we want to stabilize ourselves. Whenever a, a symptom hits our body, I know for sure that God wants me healed. I don't have to ask him if he wants me healed. I don't have to wonder if he wants me to healed. I don't have to do any of that stuff because the devil will get you to think 400 different thoughts that have nothing to do with your rights in the kingdom of God. There's always an excuse the devil has for you when a symptom comes on you why you should take it. It's just there. It's gone around. Well, I better take it then. It does not mess up your rights just because someone else has it. Are you following me? You live in the kingdom of God. You are a king and a priest, and you have authority over all the powers of the enemy. I mean, no sickness is a power of the enemy. And the Bible says, nothing by any means shall ever harm you. Now, is that a true scripture? Just throw that in there, make us feel good? No, it belongs in there. So it belongs to you. So basically, when sickness attacks my body, basically, I know that I have a right to stand against it when the symptom comes. You do not want to receive it because if you do, you get it like a package you sign for. When I used to be a mailman, I took somebody a package, and it wasn't their package till they signed for it. If they signed for it, I was done. It had nothing to do with me at all, praise God. I don't want that too late. You signed for it. It's yours. Can't do nothing about it. And that's what we do sometimes with sickness, disease. A symptom comes, we start claiming it, we start talking about it. We, oh yeah, this is it. This is the big one here. It's been going around. And the flu season's been going around, praise God. Here it comes again. Hallelujah. It's that time of year. The snowbirds are down here again. We're all going to get sick because they bring it down with them every single year. And then you end up getting sick. I'm prophesying. I prophesied it, praise God. I prophesied sickness and disease. No, no. You've got to guard this thing right here, you see? And you got to come to a point where you understand just as you're born again and going to heaven, you're born again and healed. You're born again and delivered. You're born again and you've got authority, praise God, over sickness, disease. You've got power on the inside of you, basically, which is the anointing of God that God has given you. All right, go to Psalm 105. If you think what's going on in the world now is the end, it's not. There are things coming down the road. Some people say, well, I don't care. I'll just get it anyway because it ain't going to bother me. I'm 40. I'm 45. As long as I'm not 65. Well, what are you going to do if you never fight it now and you get to 65 and something else comes? That's not the time to start fighting it. Start fighting it when you're 40, when you're 35, when you're 20. Whenever. Stand against sickness disease when you're that young because someday you'll be 65 or 70 and there'll be another thing out there. Praise God. You know they're coming. Hallelujah, it's just the way it is. So get prepared now. Next time you get a headache, stand for a little bit. Rebuke that headache and stand with it for a little while. And praise God, watch it go away. If it don't go away or two or three days, then take an aspirin. Praise God, at least you stood for a while anyway. Do you see? You've got to start somewhere. And you're not going to start when they say you've got terminal cancer. That's not the time to start. Oh, I'm just going to believe God. Brother, you a little bit late. You should have planted that seed a long time ago and watched that thing grow up and harvest in your life. Start today. Start on divine health today. Find these scriptures. Go over what I'm showing you and feed them and meditate. See yourself resisting sickness and disease. See yourself healed and healthy. See yourself strong because what you see will have an effect on your own life as how you see yourself as a man thinks in his heart. So is. And I'm just sickly. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm just always tired. Mm-hmm. Bet you are. I'm just down and out, yep, and you're going to get downer and outer, praise God, you keep talking like that. You see, whatever you believe makes a difference, that's why if you hearken to the word, study the word, never in here does it say, thou shalt, Tom, be down and out on Thursdays. It's not in here. Thou shalt be depressed on weekends. It's not in here. See, so if God didn't say it, don't say it, praise God, stay away from it. All right, Psalm 105, look at verse 37. God brought them forth 
talking about the children of Israel out of Egypt, he brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble, sick, weak person among them. Now, praise God, when the first time I read this, I just couldn't hardly believe it. I had to read it about four or five times. Here the Lord, basically, was introducing himself to three million people. He brought them out of bondage at one time, and every single one of them was healed. Can you imagine three million people healed? And that's not even the best part, too. They were also rich. Not, not only did he take care of their physical, he went ahead and took care of their silver and gold at the same time. So I started thinking with my lightning fast mind that if God brought these people out of Egypt, three million people, and at that time, people who were not even born again, were not even filled with the Spirit, who were not even, and every single one of them wasn't sickly, not one, could a church of 50 people, 70 people, 80 people, maybe even 100 people. Could there come to a place where you got 100 people and there's not one sick or feeble one among them? And could they have plenty of silver (laughs) and gold? Well, apparently, I mean, if 3 million people could do it, the least we could do since we're born again filled with the Spirit can believe that He's the Lord that healeth us and walk in that each individually as we grow up and learn this stuff. Now, if you don't know this stuff, I mean, you know, you're not going to walk in this stuff. How many of you were taught as a six-year-old child that every time sickness and disease came, you rebuke it? Nobody in the place. What? You were supposed to go to the medicine cabinet? As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what, they'll tell you to buy medicine before you get sick. Come on. You better get these pills because it's coming. So you fill your cabinet with all this stuff up here while you're just waiting, waiting for that day. And then you're going to take everything you want. They've got to promote sickness. There's a lot of money in sickness and disease. See, if everybody in the world gets caught by the Holy Ghost and starts flowing and nobody's sick, do you know how much that would destroy? Completely destroy the economy, probably, because of all the money the hospitals are making, the insurance companies making, everything else is making, praise God. It would destroy all kinds of things. But notice, if it's possible for three million people, then I just got to believe that it's possible, praise God, for a church to do that. All right, go to James chapter 1. And I'm not telling you this stuff's easy. It's easier just to go down with the flow and tolerate whatever comes along. Okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. Nobody wants to fight. Nobody wants to put it up. Nobody wants to stand. Tell you, when stuff starts hitting your life and you really want to stand, you're going to learn a new vocabulary. You know what it's called? Silence. You're going to shut your mouth because you can't open it and say anything good, so you just got to shut it. How you feeling? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Feeling better today? Mm Mm-hmm. Better than yesterday? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm worse than I was yesterday, but I'm believing God. For what? More sickness the following day after that? No, sometimes you just got to close it. Let it go. Hallelujah. I'm glad you like that. I could tell. All right, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, look at verse 6. But let them ask in faith, nothing wavering, For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. And let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Notice, you cannot waver between God's will wanting you healed and maybe God wanting you sick and still receive from God. Because of wrong teaching, wrong doctrine, Old Testament believing, Christians waver back and forth. They think, well, maybe God doesn't want to heal me. What do I have to do to get God to heal me? Why doesn't God heal me anymore? What did I do that I need healing now? 
See, a lot of times, if you're walking with the Holy Ghost, you don't really have to check out what you did wrong when sickness comes on you because the Holy Ghost already checked you. You know, it's not like when I was in the Catholic Church, I just didn't really care. I knew I was supposed to go to confession, so I sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned. And a month later, I, a month later, I went into confession, and I mean, I had, a, I had plenty. You know, I'd have to search. They were there. I had a whole month of sins lined up when I got in there, praise God. But with the Holy Ghost, he, he gets you right when you do it. So you confess it right when you do it, and you confess it. So when sickness comes, if you've been walking with the Lord, you don't have to worry about, did I do this wrong? Did I do this wrong? Because I've been walking with the Lord. I know it's an attack of the devil, and I'm going to stand against the thing. Now, if you haven't been walking with the Lord, maybe you were doing something. Maybe it's that person, you know, you flipped off the other day. Maybe that caused something that pulled out in front of you. You know, there's things that are there. Do you see what I mean? And that's where the Holy Ghost corrects you, and you say, no. No, they pulled out in front of me, and they had a dog car, and I got a good car, and I'm flipping them off because that's what they deserve, praise God. Well, now you opened the door, didn't you, a little bit? See? And then sex disease come on, you say, oh, God, help me. God says, walk in love. I am, I am. I'm walking in love with everybody. I told them they're number one. <laughs> See? It doesn't work that way, does it? See, so as we walk with the Holy Ghost, you stay in the Word of God. The Holy Ghost will keep you clean for when the time comes, you'll be just fine. Praise God. So God does not have to be convinced or persuaded of who He is. You don't have to talk Him into healing you because He already did 2,000 years ago. A man that wavers here should not think that he will receive anything of the Lord. So your life of health is not based on opinion, not based on the latest prophecy or Old Testament theology. It's based on God's Word and God, who He says He is. He is the Lord that healeth thee. All right, let's do, let's go to 1 Samuel 16. I think we got time to do this. There's so many people that you run into who are dealing with sickness and disease who will use these Old Testament scriptures on you because they do not understand what they're really saying sometimes. So you'll have to know these things in order to minister to them for it to work for you. All right, go to First Kings 17. We're going to have time to do both of these probably. Go to First Kings. All right, First Kings 17. Are you there? Look at verse 10. says, the prophet arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. So the prophet came, it was a time of famine, and there was no rain, and he asked her for a drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called out to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And the widow said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in, dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. How many know that's not a good outlook? Verse 13, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, and make me therefore a little cake first, 
and bring it to me, and after make thee one for thee and thy son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of God which he spoke by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was sore to him, and there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to to remembrance and slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom, carried him up to the loft, and he abode and laid upon him on his bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I surjoined by slaying her son? And he stretched himself on the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord thy God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come back into him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber of the house, delivered him to his mother, and Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said unto Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth. Pretty interesting, huh? All right, go back to verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath. What did he do there? Basically, there was a famine, and God sent him there in this hopeless situation. In verse 13, she said, we're going to get a cake, and we're going to eat it. And what were they going to do? They were going to die. So he stepped in with a miracle of provision, basically, from God. And in spite of the miracle, the son died anyway. What did she say? Well, you know what happened? God found out about my sin. Because he found out about my sin, he killed my kid. That's basically what she said here. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress, fell sick, and his sickness was sore, and there was no breath in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you done to me, you man of God? Aren't you come unto me? Remember my sin and killed my son? In other words, what did she think? God was the one who kills you if you sin. Well, if that had been true, there wouldn't have been any Israelites left because they were all sinners, do you see? But what she said, well, the problem is, basically, he died. So now, now if you're a new, test, new, new person, you're just in this thing, you see God, oh, what a miracle this is, but then you've got to watch out, because if you sin, even after God feeds you supernaturally, he kill you. he kill you just like he did this boy right here. he killed us. So notice what the prophet says. Look at verse 20. And he cried unto the Lord, and the prophet said, Oh, Lord God, thou hast brought evil upon this widow. Now notice, even the prophet didn't know what he was talking about. So he asked God a question. O Lord my God, hast thou also brought even upon this widow with thy sojourn by slaying her son? And what did God say? He said nothing. Why? God doesn't answer stupidity. You're going to pray stupid prayers, you won't get an answer. So finally, he stretches himself on it and then prays and says, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come back into him. I mean, you know, that was in the will of God. Now God heard him, and what happened? Raised the boy up. Why did he do that? Basically, because he heard the prayer in line with his will and raised him up. Now, if I'm coming to this and praise, I'm trying to get logic out of this. I'm trying to get revelation, and I'm brand new. I read this, and I say, well, God said it's a famine. That's famine came to kill the lady and his son. But then God sent a prophet to save the son, save the lady. 
But God decided that the woman was a sinner, so she killed the son anyway. But then God decided to raise the guy up who she, he killed after he killed it. So I didn't know whether the famine should have killed him, uh, the sin should have killed him, uh, what should have killed him, what should have not killed him, what should have did, and then they try to get a sermon out of that. Let me see. God is a mixed-up God. We serve a God who does anything he wants. He'll kill you one day, praise God, he'll let you go the next day. Why is that? Because no knowledge of New Testament and that God is good, basically. But you can see through it if you start to understand what God is saying in these things, praise God. John 10.10 is the dividing. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to life and life more abundantly. All right, go to Luke 13. All right, Luke 13, look at verse 11. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bowed together and could no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Well, nobody was getting healed there on any day. It didn't really make any difference. Verse 15, the Lord then answered unto him and said, You hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him to watering? And ought not this woman, who is a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound low these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Here we see a woman who was bowed over. What was her problem? She had a spirit of what? Spirit of infirmity, praise God. So the woman said, it's not whom God blessed with his spirit, it's whom Satan had bound with his spirit. The woman basically was under the dominion of the devil. Jesus came along and says, ought not, or this woman has a legal right to be loosed because she's the daughter of Abraham, and Abraham's covenant acquired to them to have healing. And once again, Old Testament, say Old Testament. Now we go in the New Testament. You entered the kingdom of God. When you entered the kingdom of God, you got rights that belong to you. Ought not you be loosed from any sickness and disease since you are a son of the living God and a citizen of the kingdom of God? The answer is yes, you should. So he just used the covenant here. How many know you can do that? You, symptom comes on, you say, I'm a son of God. You don't know who you're messing with here, praise God. My legal right is to live in divine health. You've got to get away from me. You've got to get out of my body right now in the name of Jesus. You just better get gone, praise God, because I've got a legal right to do this. Hallelujah. So once again, they got mad after these 18 years. Now, how many know she could have been healed after two years, five years, 15 years? But it took 18 years for Jesus to come along and do it. All right, Revelations chapter 20. God is a good God. Thank God, huh? All right, this is way towards the end of everything. Revelations chapter 20, look at verse 10, and it says, And the devil that deceived the people was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Oh, happy day. Where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. How many know that's going to happen? Glory to God. Chapter 21. Look at verse 4. 
Now notice what's proclaimed after this takes place. Chapter 21, verse 4, And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Why are all these bad things passed away? Because the source of them, who is the devil, has been thrown into the lake of fire, and once he's been terminated, sickness and disease and everything will go with him into that lake of fire, and everyone will be living in peace and joy and health for all eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice, if God was responsible for sickness, then God would have to be thrown into the lake of fire in order for everyone to live healed. But God has nothing to do with sickness and disease. It's all of the devil. It's all under the curse. It's all demonic. And when the devil is wiped out forever, everyone will live for all eternity. No more sickness, no more disease, no more depression, no more anything. But you can do it now. You don't have to wait till you die and go to heaven. You don't have to wait till the devil gets thrown into the lake of fire. You can live that way now, praise God, because you have a responsibility to do that as a kingdom citizen. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I just thank you for this revelation on healing, Father. I thank you for opening our eyes to the rights that Jesus paid for us on the cross, the right of healing, the right of our authority, the right of our power, the right of who we are as sons of the living God, Father. Thank you for growing us up, Holy Spirit, into a place where we understand what belongs to us. We learn to walk in it. We learn to use it in every single area of our life. And I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our minds. I pray to see this planet in their hearts that ministers to them all week long, keeps coming up, Holy Ghost, keep on ministering, keep showing them new things. And I thank you for it. And Jesus, his name and everybody said amen. amen hallelujah glory to god all right we will see you sunday 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 the key.